You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. There are many different paths you can take, but there's only one road to Atlanta. A high drive deep out to left field. He clubbed it. Brady twisting and turning, looking up and giving up. It's a home run for Danby Swanson. Flair out towards shallow right. That's big trouble. Albies going back. He dives and he makes the catch. What a play, Ozzy Albies. Swanson is headed for three. He'll try for it inside the Parker. Relay throw comes toward the plate. He'll score standing, and it's his second inside the park home run of the season. This is your weekly podcast dedicated to the Atlanta Braves farm system. Follow the show on Twitter at Road, the number two, Atlanta. Now, hit the road with your hosts. Eric Cole, Gaurav Vidak, and Garrett Spain. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Road to Atlanta, a podcast devoted solely to the Braves farm system and Braves prospects. I'm one of your hosts, Eric Cole. You may recognize me from my work over on BatteryPower.com, where I've been the deputy site manager since 2018 and the minor league editor since 2015. Joining me as often, you can follow him over on Twitter at BravesMILB, my longtime colleague, good buddy, Braves prospects connoisseur, Garrett Spain. Garrett, how are you, man? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? Uh, doing well. I know that you've been kind of a bit under the weather for the last week or so. Uh, <laughs> I enlisted you even when you weren't feeling well last week, and we managed to get the show done. So appreciate you coming back. I know you're not feeling great. But well, we we fortunately, and in some, in some ways, unfortunately, we don't have a ton to talk about on Road to Atlanta this week. Uh, one big topic for sure, and then the usual rundown of the levels. But um, it's going to be an abbreviated show, obviously, with – Rome's season did end last week uh, with the loss in the, the first round of the playoffs, unfortunately, to Bowling Green. Uh, so their season is now over, and Mississippi's season is now over. Augustus has been over, which means that up until the end of the, the up until the end of the month, all we have left to talk about is the Gwinnett Stripers, which is somewhat a sad state of affairs to be sure, uh, because the, the Gwinnett Stripers team is one isn't particularly exciting except on the pitching side. Uh, but also it just kind of signals the end of the minor league season, which is kind of a bummer. But, you know, at the end of the day, we want to make sure that we kind of everyone kind of knows what's going on. So just so everyone understands what's happening is that, you know, the again, we've had the two two seasons have already wound down early, early last week. And then obviously on Sunday was Mississippi's last game of the season. So when we're kind of, the content's going to be getting a little bit drier over the course of the next few weeks for sure. Uh, as we kind of get kind of transition into our off-season mode here on the on road to Atlanta, but we do have one big topic, to Garrett, to talk about, and that is that, we, and we've been waiting for this a little while. Uh, we don't have instructional rosters yet, and you know we're not sure how much of that we're actually going to get, and if it's going to get released proper as it has been in years past. But we had we did get the Arizona Fall League rosters. Now, for those who aren't aware, the Arizona Fall League is just a, a short season, you know, off season league that happens out in Arizona. They have a bunch of parks out there that are really close proximity. And, you know, they have about a six week season. It's gonna start on October third this year. 
Um, and teams send prospects out there. There's some, there are weird requirements for being in the AFL. You can send X number of like double A guys and X number of the guys who are lower than double A, you know, generally what happens with the AFL is that this is a showcase for really good talent. There are going to be very good prospects in the Arizona fall league. So you have that kind of group of guys that are both good prospects and they kind of want to get to get more plate appearances, get some more innings, whatever. You also have a group of prospects or guys that there might not be quite as highly regarded, but they're guys who didn't get to play very much this year. Now that's generally not draft year guys generally, uh, but it's going to be guys who are, you know, had injuries during the year that cost them innings or, you know, this for whatever reason, they didn't get to play all that much. And they wanted to get them some extra, give them some extra looks out there in Arizona Fall League for just a few weeks. Uh, and then there's also kind of the, the roster filler types. You know, everyone you know has to chip in, send some guys out there. You know, maybe those guys aren't going to be impact players down the line, but, you know, it gives them a chance to potentially get seen by some other eyes or to just, you know, help, you know, make the Arizona Fall League run more or less. And when the rosters were announced, we uh, the Braves are going to be sending six players to the Arizona Fall League this year. They're going to be headlined by the Braves. What we think is their top position player prospect outfielder, Justin Henry Malloy, and he's going to be joined by shortstop Cal Conley, right-handed pitcher reliever Jose Montilla, left-handed reliever Alex Siegel, right-handed pitcher Austin Smith, and the Braves' Rule 5 pick from this past offseason, or at least one of them went from the minor league portion of it, Alan Winans. Garrett, talk, talk to me a little bit about the group and kind of what your impressions are of this group. Because honestly, like at first glance, it was a little underwhelming, but I'm actually kind of intrigued by a lot of these relief arms. Yeah, pitching wise, it's kind of it's kind of where this is. It's kind of a good reflection of the system as a whole, where there's a bunch of kind of interesting, but not necessarily super exciting players. Uh, Montia Siegel both had very very good numbers this year. Siegel's you know coming off of an injury, but the numbers, he had a sub one ERA at Rome, looked really good in his time there. And it's going to be good to see him get some more time stretched out and see how he looks further and further away from that injury. Uh, Winans was great all season for the double A team. He's a guy that can fill up some innings there. It, older prospect that's not necessarily our most, you know, not necessarily a top level prospect, but a guy that does has did show some flashes of good stuff this year and has an, and is in the past kind of a good guy in the system. And the same with Austin Smith. Smith was very good for a while with Rome. Struck out a lot of guys, was their closer for a little bit. Really struggled down the stretch with them. So I'm wondering if, you know, maybe we'll see some better stuff from him once he gets a little bit of time to have a break and get his you know arm back a little bit. But he was really good for a lot of the season this year until he struggled late. Uh, Hitting-wise, Cal Conley, I am uh, skeptical of how well he is going to do and how much time he's really going to get out there. He's had a lot of flashes this year of times where he's been great for a week or two at a time, and then he his approach gets out of whack, and he starts to swing and miss a lot. And he, I don't think it's a great fit for him out there. I don't think that he's going to – it's the best position for him. But he is an interesting prospect in terms of one of those fringe top 30 guys that we keep an eye on. But Justin Henry Malloy is by far the best guy. I'm very – I'm happy he's getting this chance to go out there and play against some top of competition because it seemed like with Mississippi towards the end of the year, other teams started to figure out that he was pretty much the only guy on that team that could really hit consistently. And he did not get very much to hit with Mississippi, especially towards the end of the season. Um, he actually saw fewer strikes at Mississippi than he did in Rome, which is very rare thing to do. And so I'm, it's going to be good to see him against, 
higher level stuff and against guys that are going to be more likely to attack him and pitch him in the zone. So we can get him get. So he has a chance to actually swing more often rather than walking all the time. Uh, So I think it's a really good situation for him. And he's a guy that I don't know that he'll be ready for the major level next year, though they have clearly very different ideas of timelines than we do based on what they've done with other prospects. But he's a guy that, he's getting fairly close and he's made a really good breakout for himself this year. And this could be the next step towards next year, really putting himself on the map. Yeah. Malloy's the going to be, if you're, you know, a prospect diehard or just someone who wants to be a prospect diehard and wants to follow what's going on in the Arizona fall league spoilers. Uh, Garrett is going to be kind of getting back into, you know, the AFL recap thing. It's going to be about a weekly recap. We're still deciding on a day We're we're thinking that the AFL off day is going to make the most sense, but we have to kind of figure out the format exactly of how we want to do that in terms of, you know, getting that out to you guys during the off season. But there is going to be, you know, Arizona fall league recaps. So you'll kind of know how those guys, these guys are doing out in the Arizona fall league, but the name you're going to be wanting to really keep an eye on is Malloy. You know, finally got transitioned away from third base, where I think Garrett would agree we are quite happy that he's not playing it anymore. Uh, gets moved to left field, and the the bat really started to blossom down there in Mississippi, especially. And again, he's got he has raw power, he can hit, uh, has a good approach at the plate. I, I am I am very interested to see how he does out there, um, because this is gonna be a good number of play appearances for him. He's he's a guy that's played a lot. He's not the guy that you know is just needing play appearances because he didn't get to play much this year. Now, one guy who I am interested in who didn't get to play nearly as much as he was planning on is Alan Winans. Again, he was uh, picking the Rule 5 draft in the minor league portion of the Braves. Didn't start the year off great. He would start off at Gwinnett and had a couple decent starts and then one really bad one. But that seemed to be an injury-related because he didn't make another start again until the middle of July, uh, where he went on rehab assignment and was back in, and then was put in Mississippi at the end of July. And other than really, like, just a couple starts that were uneven. He's mostly been very good. Now, the one thing about Winans is that he doesn't miss a lot of bats, but he's relatively efficient. He doesn't walk a ton of guys either. I'm very curious as to kind of, you know, once I get him out there in Arizona Fall League, get him kind of some more varied competition, he gets further away from the kind of the injury that was bothering this year. I want to see kind of, you know, if he can showcase himself a bit because, I mean, with these minor league rule five guys, if you can get any value out of them whatsoever, just any, you 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 call it a win, and you know he's a guy who can throw you know six seven innings a game if he's kind of rolling the way he wants to and the way he's supposed to. I'm not sure if that's where we end up with him, but he's looked good lately to be sure uh, for Mississippi. Just doesn't doesn't give up a lot of runs, doesn't generally give up a lot of hard contact, a lot of ground balls. He's a guy to keep an eye on to be sure. Um, and another name, and I mentioned this on the show last night when I was doing the the flagship show with Scott. Uh, is that another name that the Braves really like is Alex Siegel. This is a lefty reliever, had really good numbers for Rome this year, sub-1 ERA, you know, fastball 93-94, this can really command his stuff. I am not going to be shocked if he's a name where, like, we see him going into spring next year, and I don't think he's a favorite to necessarily make the bullpen because it's, it's that's just such a hard thing to ask, but he's an, old, he, he's an older guy. He's coming off Tommy John. He was drafted back in 2019, I believe, out of Wichita State, and... Just the, the the command and just kind of like his his overall pitchability as a reliever 
makes me think that he's gonna be one of those guys that like ends up getting stashed at triple a relatively quickly next year and like is in the mix when they need a reliever again we we've we have we've had guys like this all like well, this year you know guys like you know william woods or uh, in the case like jesus cruz stuff like that i could see him in that role next year it's the guy that is going to be one of the guys that they will give an opportunity as soon as one of the other relievers falls off for whatever reason and that is going to happen because that is just what happens to relievers and i think he's going to be in the mix for that there's a lot i mean there's a lot of names a lot of things can happen over the course of an offseason to kind of change that the complexion of things you know depending on what the bullpen looks like going into next year but i'm not going to be surprised at all if he's in the mix uh jose montilla i'm a little bit more skeptical of the the strikeouts aren't necessarily there the numbers were good this year don't get me wrong but he's just not a guy that i'm thinking there's quite as much upside uh and obviously not you know he's he's just a righty reliever i'm i'm with you on cal conley though uh i i would i want to like him but at this point the hit tool is so much more so much of a question and the i i i kind of hate when he starts selling out, trying, especially from the left side, is when he's trying to sell out and hit for power because he can have some really ugly at bats. But it's funny just because like when he got promoted, like he had kind of like shifted his approach and he looked really good, but then he just started getting victimized and felt like he was pressing too much. So overall, you know, an interesting group to be sure. Uh, they are sending uh, at least a high-profile prospect in amongst their their position guys out there. Uh, we're not certainly getting the the headliners in terms of. The pitching crop because a lot of the guys, lots of pitchers that have that would maybe be in the mix for this have already pitched out in the Arizona Fall League before, and as a result, this is not going to happen. So I'm a little bit curious as to kind of how the Braves start handling the Arizona Fall League going forward, what the crop looks like next year. But this is kind of what we expected for this year. It's just you know sending a couple guys who you know have some repute in the organization, but you know send some relievers out there, kind of see if you can get them some more innings, see if they can be in play to help your club next year send a couple filler guys out there just to kind of help fill out rosters and things like that and kind of go from there. But I wish it was a more exciting group uh, to, to the Arizona Fall League, but still an interesting group. And you should definitely keep an eye on batterypower.com when we're doing those Arizona Fall League recaps. Before we kind of get into the, the remaining three system, the three levels uh, that are still ha- still had games this past week and kind of go down to what happened in those, in those systems, we're going to take a quick break to listen to our work from our sponsors. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! 
Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. All right, Garrett. We have, in record time, reached the second half of the the podcast and this is gonna be kind of a, almost a, a rapid fire really just because there's just not it was a rough week last week um you know a lot a lot of a lot of pretty rough games just to be blunt um just it seems like a lot of these guys are tired winding down and we didn't have a lot of super exciting things to talk about other than Arden Paps going wild for Mississippi but we'll start with Gwinnett where we have you know some rehab type news and we also have some you know at least some decent news on the pitching side overall so talk to us a little bit about the stripers yeah uh this is a team that's not very good not all that fun to watch overall but pretty much every day you're gonna have a pitcher that's somewhat interesting uh this week wasn't really the best for the pitching crop overall uh max Soroka has been struggling a lot lately he had a really rough start this week uh, the guy that had the best start probably was Jared Schuster. He only went four innings, but he only allowed one run, struck out four guys, didn't allow any home runs. That's been a real issue for him with Triple A's. He's allowing one or two home runs every single game out there. He didn't have that big hit this game, which is a good sign for him. Um, a guy that got promoted recently is Odalvi Javier. Uh, who's a guy who's been in the system for a very long time. He's been around forever. Yeah, we've had him around forever, but this year he's gotten moved to relief. He's been kind of a swing man guy in the past where he'll relieve for a couple months and they'll have him starting for a couple months. And he's always been fine. Like he's never been one of those guys that were like, wow, we really don't want to see this guy pitch. He's fine. But this year he's been really, really good in relief role. He has a 256 ERA across two levels this year. Um, A guy that fills up the strike. So not, exciting stuff but he's done very well for himself and he deserves a shout out and he's a kind of he's kind of like um connor johnstone kind of a versatile guy can give you a lot of stuff don't put that curse on him i you know what i mean just that kind that guy that can go out there and throw three innings in relief who can start a couple games every now and then for you just a really solid arm and he's done extremely well this year uh, really, from the beginning of the year, he's been fantastic. Offensively, there's really not a single prospect on this team. Grayson Chinista had a couple home runs in one game this week. Uh, other than that, he has done nothing really all year, especially the, 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 the Grayson last Genista week. experience. Yep. Yeah, but he did, he had the one-two home run game. Uh, but other than that, it wasn't a whole lot. Uh, Taylor Motter had a very good week. Uh, he's been fantastic for a couple weeks now. He's on one of those hot streaks where he just goes absolutely insane. He has something like 11 home runs and 35 games with Gwinnett. An insane amount of home runs in very little time with the team. Ever since he came over to the organization, he's been been fantastic. Yariel Gonzalez, they brought him up from Mississippi. He struggled a ton at the beginning of the year with Gwinnett. Uh, They sent him back down very quickly. He did not do that very that well with Mississippi either, but he came up, had a good week last week. Uh, he was a guy that I thought would be more of a factor in terms of an injury replacement. Like when Ozzy went down, kind of more of a factor as an injury replacement as a guy that can play second and third base, but his bat really did not play as well as we expected this year. And he really struggled, but it was a good week last week for him. Yeah, we did have some roster movement on this roster. And there's also a name I'm going to add to kind of the list of the guys that you mentioned here. Um, 
First is that the roster move that we had was on two moves. Uh, you know, if you've been living under a rock as a Braves fan and you're listening to this and you, have, for whatever reason, haven't listened to the other podcasts, obviously Ozzie Albies getting hurt was pretty big news coming out of the weekend. And that meant that, you know, Vaughn Grissom was going to get pressed in the service. However, it was kind of a weird situation because I hear Adrianza was also on the IL. So they didn't like have that, the kind of that second infield bat, bat hanging around. So instead of like, and they only had one guy on the 40 man roster and it wasn't Taylor Motter, who I think based on merits would be the guy that would have been kind of the guy that would have gotten a shot. But instead they went with the guy who was on the 40 man roster that they had claimed the Braves had played off waivers from the Dodgers in Ryland Bannon, who'd also hit pretty well for Gwinnett as well. He is currently with the big league club. And we also had some, uh, some roster move on the pitching side where first Wayne Woods was brought up to uh, kind of be a fresh arm for for a, a little while um, and didn't make any didn't make an appearance and what ended up happening is that Bryce Elder got sent up to Atlanta and he's now currently with the team well and then Woods was sent back down the rationale here we believe is that we think that Bryce Elder is going to be making a spot start at some point but what we don't know is when that's going to be the case because it kind of depends on what's going on in the division race so they you know you want to set your your rotation up a certain way you know, do you, which matchups do you want to play? Which games are the most important? Where do you want to get your import? Where do you want to have Spencer Strider and Max Freed pitching? Uh, and when, when are those matchups going to matter the most? And I think that that's going to be a little bit in flux, depending on how the next couple days go. If we're just being frank, if the Braves play really well, and maybe the Mets, you know, fall off a little bit, maybe that changes their plans as to when they might have Elder make a spot start to kind of give guys, you know, strategic, strategic rest here and there. But that's kind of seems like the goal. And, you know, if a guy ends up, you know, only throwing three or four innings, you know, if Jake Odorizzi has one of his rough starts or Charlie Morton has a rough start, something like that, then they have Elder up there to kind of serve that in that role as well. So that's kind of the general idea behind the roster moves. Uh, one name I do want to point out, and I actually think you're going to be kind of shocked by this, Garrett, is uh, Darius Fines continues just to be super consistent. Uh, he, you know, he had towards the end of August, he was kind of in the, like only throwing three innings at a, at a go. There's a lot of reasons why that could be the case. Maybe he was just trying to get, you know, fit a bunch of guys, get a guy's bunch of guys innings. Uh, maybe he was a little bit fatigued. Then they just wanted to kind of give him a bit of a break. But what if I told you, Garrett, that Darius Fines has not given up a home run his entire stint with Gwinnett. And he hasn't given up a home run since August 4th. For him, that's a pretty big deal. I, I am I have been very impressed with Vines just overall this year. The strikeout numbers in Gwinnett haven't been so hot. I'll I'll say that he hasn't. You know he was kind of you know striking had big big strikeout games here and there with Mississippi at the very least. But he has just been a guy. He's he's good for five or six innings. He seems to have gotten the home run ball situation under control. Doesn't give up a lot of hits. The walks have been a little bit concerning at times, uh, particularly with Gwinnett, but. Last outing of the year, six innings, two earned runs on five hits, one walk, six strikeouts. You take that from that guy every single time. I am very impressed with Darius Fines. I was a little bit – I mean, before the promotion I, to, to Gwinnett, I thought he might be in line for the AFL, but it seems like they, they're kind of just going to give him give him a, an offseason off and let him rest out a bit, and I have no problems with that whatsoever. He's a real pitching prospect. I don't know if he's necessarily there's – there's, there's a tier above him but he is in the conversation as kind of a as a rotation option down the line. Um, I think he's kind of in that same group as Dylan Dodd. Maybe Dylan Dodd's a little bit ahead of him in that regard, but he's one of those arms that I think is going to be one to keep an eye on going into next year who could, again, if, if he just gets a little bit more sharpness on that fastball or, and, or if he somehow improves the off speed stuff, which is already pretty good, 
he all of a sudden starts striking out a lot more guys. He's going to be starting getting some attention uh, for a potential, you know, fourth, fifth, you know, rotation spot for the Braves because again, he's he's been good. He's just he he had the he had his warts last year with home runs and you know the early parts of the year up through June that was bearing out. He was giving up a home run just about a start every start, but over the last couple months, I mean, since July first, since July first, he's given up a total of one home run, and that's a big deal for him. Um. But that's pretty much all I got. I mean, the notes on Soroka are obviously correct. He hasn't been pitching particularly well. Looks like that he's he's playing out the string just so he can get back into the regular offseason, continue to heal up, continue to rehab, continue to just, you know, try to get back right, and hopefully going into the next season, he's going to be a factor in the Braves' uh, rotation. Um, now we get to Mississippi, where they're, they're, it's some, it felt like every game last week was just like nothing happened. Um, with one notable exception with the pitching staff was pretty good. But tell us a little bit what was going on in Mississippi before we wrap this up with Rome. Yeah, it's not been the best run of luck there for the offense. Really, all levels. The offense has not been very good lately. Justin Malloy had a rough week, like I mentioned before. He's really just not getting very much to hit at this point. He tend, He's drawing a ton of walks, and he's doing at least that in terms of drawing walks, but he just hasn't had – really anything else going for him he just hasn't been hitting much this last week he had a good week last week and a couple weeks before that but this last week wasn't that great for him uh no one really on the team had that great of a week except for Arden Pabst who went absolutely insane um he went wild yeah yeah good for him crazy week you know funny things happen guys have great weeks and it's a lot of production from him on the pitching side really not a lot to talk about there either dylan dodd had a good start five innings pitched um only one run seven strikeouts he's been very consistent for them for a while and you know he struggled at the beginning of the year with rome and but really since the beginning of may middle of may it seems like every single start he's going five or six innings you know, one to three runs, striking out a batter per nine, roughly. You know, he'll walk a couple guys, but he hasn't been spectacular too terribly much, but he hasn't been very, he hasn't been bad at all. Uh, he very rarely has a blow up start, and he's just a guy that steadily increased his stock, steadily pushed himself up towards the better pitching prospects in the system. He's a guy with, I mean, the fastball. Velocity-wise, it's not spectacular, but he gets a ton of spin on it. He's locating it a ton better. He's really improved his command from the beginning of the year. His sequencing, his changeup is very, very good. His changeup is not Schuster-level good. Very few changeups are that good, but you know, kind of that tier below where it's a legitimate strikeout pitch for him, and he gets a lot of great uh, swings and misses on that pitch. The slider has been better as the season's gone on. He, it, it, when he got into the system and towards the beginning of the year – it was a very loose kind of sweeping slider that didn't do a whole lot. And he seems to have gotten better about the location and tightening it up a little bit. And so he's, it's more of an effective third pitch for him. It hasn't been a pitch where it gets hit as often as it was in the beginning of the year with Rome. And so overall he has three pitches where I don't think that any of his, I think his fastball is his best pitch in terms of because of the spin on it, but I don't think he has a single pitch that's, Plus, but he has three pitches that are effective. He's been commanding the ball very well. And overall, that's a really, you know, that's a senior sign guy that's now a legitimate prospect and a legitimate, you know, back end pitching prospect that 
that's a lot to get out of a senior guy. Uh, the other really big pitching prospect on the team is Rodri Munoz, but he has not pitched in three weeks. His last start was on August 28th. We really don't know what's going on with that, but he just hasn't been pitching. Yeah, that's a, it's always a weird situation towards the end of the year. A lot of times they'll just shut down guys. Uh, even if they're dealing with something minor, they're like, it's not worth trying to get you back and get you stretched back out. You know, if you roll an ankle, if you pull something. So it's not worth uh, reading too much into it in that regard. But at the same time, you know, he's uh, definitely a guy that we like a lot. And, you know, we thought that he was going to, you know, put kind of an end cap on what well, has been a pretty good season for him. So hopefully he's fine. Um, well, and it's interesting, it's interesting too, because he's at exactly a hundred and a third innings pitched. So it's kind of interesting. Like he, he may have a, like, he may have had a hard cap. Like we're not pitching you more than this. I'm not sure about that, but that's, that I, look, I, I respect a good tinfoil hat conspiracy theory. So I'm, I'm, I, I, I'm down to think about this. Uh, just a couple notes on, on Dodd as well. This is a guy the Braves like. Uh, another one of those guys the Braves like a lot. Um, the the mix is good, and you get that value. You, you pick him a senior sign that high in the draft with a third round pick. You don't you're not paying him. You didn't pay him crazy money, but other teams really wanted him. Other teams wanted him at the trade deadline. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if he was kind of like one of those you know minor leaguers that continues to hang around. Uh, I'll, they're going to have all these Gwinnett guys already kind of going through the end of the season anyway, but I wouldn't be surprised if like we saw like, you know, I mean, I don't think Munoz is going to be in the, the conversation here, but maybe a couple of these Mississippi relievers, maybe Dodd as like guys hanging around just in case you need someone in an emergency for the, you know, for the playoffs or something like that. He's his fate is a fascinating one to me because there's just like this group of guys that are like these like entrenched starting pitching prospects that are at Gwinnett right now. And then you have guys like Vines and you have guys like Dot. And what what the Braves are going to do with those guys, because at the end of the day, the, they're, we've talked about this a bunch over the years. It's just, you know, like once you get like these guys that just don't seem to have spots for, higher up from where they are right now. I mean, like what do you do at Gwinnett right now? You know, like Muller, Ian Anderson, Bryce Elder, Right now, Jared Schuster, Freddie Tarnock, Gwinnett is just has a bunch of guys who have real pedigree. Do you make moves there, deal from there, and you move these guys up? Or do you kind of do you deal from the depth and maybe some more upside but less proven in the guys like Dodd or Vines? Do you make deals to kind of make some of this room? Do you just start them off at Mississippi again? I don't know if that's the best use of your, of your development time. I just don't have a great answer to that. But how this how how these decisions are made are kind of things that start we start thinking about getting into the off season because you know we'll they'll they'll go through uh, a lot of these guys will go to instru- instructs but that's not a crazy long period of time and then they go into their off season and then we start thinking about you know what trades happen and ultimately what kind of roster decisions we have to make going forward because again there's just not a ton of spots right now in terms of like where to move guys up there's plenty of places to put guys in the lower levels but once you kind of get to Gwinnett with pitching specifically starting pitching it gets a little bit dicier in terms of having a bit of a log jam all right Garrett it's time to talk about Rome who uh, played three games last week and they uh, ended up losing in the playoffs two games to one in the best of three series to Bowling Green take the, take us home yeah Rome had a very good first game and very bad second and third game. 
Offensively, they really did not do much all week. Jacob Pearson was the only guy that really did anything last week. Uh, other than that, no one hit on that team. They really struggled to get anything going offensively. Uh, the one bright spot, I guess, was Brandon Mosquito, who hit an absolute tank in the in the third game of that series. Uh, we talked. I, I, I'm going to have to give you a little crap here because at the beginning of the year, you were all doubting me, and I would say this guy has real raw <laughs> that, power. This guy that, has that, power. That, I'll that, tell that you whole... this guy has power, and you were all on me like you don't see it. I don't see it. I don't see it. Well, go back and watch that video because he. Oh, that ball was new. No question annihilated that baseball you know I, I i do question his game power in terms of he's a line drive heavy and he struggled after he got injured this season to really hit at all um, but the raw power i mean you go and you see flashes like that and you go oh that that guy can really get into it when he gets into it. an athletic guy can play center field not the best center fielder in the world but he plays a solid enough center field but just a great athlete uh hit very well this year but you know kind of got beat up by injuries in the middle of the year kept getting hurt multiple times and that kind of was unfortunate for him but uh, seeing that flash of power right at the very end there was was very fun I, I liked what I saw there the best pitcher on that team was Roy Versalinas he had 10 strikeouts in four and a third innings uh, he had a very interesting season he definitely did not end it as good as we had hoped and we've talked about it before we believe he's a reliever there's a lot of effort in his delivery he's doesn't command the ball very well but the stuff is fantastic i mean mid to upper 90s on the fastball wipeout slider he can really get a lot of strikeouts he had 185 in 113 innings this year just for him. In, for him. insane strikeout totals and a guy that if he gets moved to relief, which we believe will happen, that's a guy that can really be an interesting relief prospect and a guy that could be an interesting relief prospect fairly soon because that stuff can play now if he can command the ball at all. The stuff is good enough to play now. That, that's really great stuff. He had a good outing to end the season. Good to cap it off like that. We'll kind of see what they do with him next year. There's, they should have space to continue to start him if they want to continue to start him. There's not a – whether they move him up to double A, whether they keep him at high A, there are enough slots for him to continue starting. So it's a question of how long he starts. He's a younger guy. He's not – he's 21 or 22. I can't remember which one it is, but he's a younger guy. He's not necessarily a player that they have to make that decision on immediately, but he's a guy that I don't know how long the body is going to hold up, and I don't know if – he necessarily has a place in this system in terms of a lot, even if he could stay healthy and command the ball, does he have a long-term future with the way the organization is shaped up? I don't necessarily see it. So depending on how quickly they think they can get him to the major leagues as a reliever is probably going to be dependent on when he moves. But stuff wise, I think we can both say that that's fastball slider. That's among the best two pitch mix in the system overall it's very very good and unfortunately the command was not there at the end of the year but stuff wise he's an interesting player and a player that we're going to be keeping an even closer eye on next year to see how he progresses Roldy Munoz the brother of Rodri really struggled at the beginning of the year but towards the end of the year he's looked very good his last seven starts he threw he had a sub two ERA struck out 21 guys in 14 two-thirds innings uh the command was a ton better that's kind of his 
when he's commanding the ball, he's his stuff is good. He can throw in the upper 90s. He has a solid slider. He throws a good changeup. It's just he doesn't command the ball well. He's already been moved to relief, but he looked good at the end of the year. And it's pure stuff-wise, it's an interesting arm. It's just a matter of un- getting him to command the ball with any sort of consistency, which he has not done yet until the end of this year. I, I couldn't have said any of that better than myself. Uh, I'm definitely with you on uh, Salinas being a reliever, but what a season from that guy just overall. You know, we kind of, you know, all kidding aside regarding, you know, like what we think his future is going to be, putting together a season like that is something else. We want to make sure we like note not only his achievement, but also Rome's achievement, you know, going and actually making the playoffs, being the one team that's actually going to make the, that actually made the playoffs out of the minor leagues. Uh, just a great job from the Rome Braves coaching staff. And from uh, Roiber as well, who had a really fantastic season this year. Uh, one note I'm going to share before I send us out, and uh, Garrett is going to kind of, I imagine, have a smile on his face while he's muted. Um, as we are recording this, uh, the Braves are currently playing the Washington Nationals, and, you know, Michael Harris is doing Michael Harris things, you know, driving in runs, stealing bases, doing his thing. But in this game, for the Nationals playing first base, is Joey Menensis. And for those who haven't been following us for very long, you may that may not be a name that you're familiar with, but Joey Menensis was a Braves farmhand for quite some time, made it up to Mississippi, was a member of the a very good Carolina Mudcats team that we enjoyed the hell out of when when they were playing together. Uh, when we were first starting doing recaps, we were a lot of Joey Menensis was being put into those. He was just a really consistent performer. Didn't wasn't able to kind of duplicate that success in in Double A Mississippi and up uh, going going to international leagues, playing some baseball. Made his way back to the major leagues and is hitting the cover off the ball for the the Nationals. Has two hits tonight already. And while he is certainly playing for the enemy now, I think I can speak for both Garrett and myself in saying that we're really just. Super happy that Joey made his way to the major leagues and he's, you know, getting appreciated because we thought he was a hell of a player uh, when he was in the minor leagues the first go around. And we're glad that he sorted things out and it took him a while to get back, you know, kind of an, kind of one of those older rookie types that had to kind of battle and make it out. But Joey made it back and we're super happy for him overall because we're we're big Joey Benensis fans, Garrett and I. That's pretty much all the time we have for this week. Obviously, it's a little bit of a shorter show than normal. If you want to make sure you don't miss a single episode of the Road to Atlanta podcast, make you make sure you subscribe to the Battery Power podcast feed. All you have to do is search Battery Power on whatever your preferred podcast platform is, and you can subscribe to that feed. Not only will you get this podcast, you'll also get the flagship show, mostly hosted by the great Brad Rowland, occasionally co-hosted by myself or Scott Coleman. You also get the Daily Hammer hosted by Sean Coleman, which is your daily recap show, figuring out what happened in last night's games, et cetera, et cetera. And you also get our brand new show, the podcast to be named later, hosted by Stephen Tolbert and our fearless leader, Chris Willis, which is kind of our deep dive topic topics type show. They pick two or three topics each week and kind of make really kind of deep dives. Analytics, all that other stuff will happen in that show as well. They do a great job with that one and all the shows on the network for that matter. Thanks again so much for all the support to all of you, not only for the site, but also on the podcast. And just over the years, just, you know, Garrett and I have been doing this for a long time now. And, you know, th- towards the end of the year, every year, we are certainly quite tired. But all the support, all the love you guys us reminds us why we do this year in and year out. And as the year closes out, we're reminded again why we want to keep doing this over every year. So thanks again to all of you for your support over the years, not just this one. Until next time, we'll see you on the road. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. 
For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com slash Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com slash flagship. This is a paid advertisement. Support for this podcast came from SAS. Data is everything. And now everything is data which means more to process, more to analyze. And now more than ever, speed to answers matters. So how do you produce those answers as fast as the world produces data? With SAS VIA, the quickest way from a billion points of data to a point of view. It's a more productive data and AI platform that helps you get more done. Learn more today at sas.com slash VIYA.